Today, I am absolutely uh, just fired up today and excited. Not only are we having a party, and that just makes it a little bit more fun and changes the energy and the dynamic, but I did a little bit of, of digging just on some, some stats uh, within the church. If you, if you know, haven't been to, to Freedom Church before or, or just kind of checking things out, we are five years old, so we're still a baby church kind of getting our legs and, 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 and moving forward, and we have been just so blessed by God and what he's been doing here, and it amazes me because I forget uh, that what we're seeing is nothing short of a miracle of what God's doing through Freedom Church in Los Alamos and how we love Los Alamos. Uh, we have had, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I, I, let me, just a few numbers. Again, like, this isn't about us, but when you see these things, I think it's good to share them and just recognize and say, thank you, God, for what's been going on. In five years, we've had 19 baptisms uh, that we've got to celebrate here. We have seen 93 people respond to the gospel uh, it, since we've started Freedom Church. It blows me away. So I'm hoping we can get seven more today, <laughs> and then we can just hit that 100 mark. That's going to be a fun celebration when we hit that. No, uh, we will share an opportunity for everybody here today to just understand what it means to have a relationship with God and give that opportunity to, to, to say, yes, that's what I want in my life. Uh, we, like I mentioned before, we got 10 connect groups that are starting this fall, which I think is the most we've ever had in one semester, but an opportunity to build relationships with people and one another. And then as far as our Lovelos Alamos uh, fund is concerned, when you give a portion of that money, uh, it goes to what we call a Lovelos Alamos fund, where if you see a need, you can meet a need. If you know somebody, a neighbor that needs help with rent or a coworker that needs some, some help, you can say, hey, there's the Lovelos Alamos fund, and you can actually go and make a request and help them um, in, in, in their time of need. We've also helped businesses. Uh, we've also, it's just a, a way to show love. But if we add that together with our support for Young Life, which is the, the high school uh, ministry youth group that goes on on, on Monday nights, uh, as well as we have supported um, some missionaries in Haiti uh, throughout the years. We don't talk about that one as much just because I keep forgetting to talk about it, but it's there. Um, and so we've given away over $200,000 between Lovelos Alamos, Young Life, local businesses, and our par mission partners in Haiti in five years just absolutely blows me away. Considering we started with zero, <laughs> nothing. Like, it just blows me away. This, God's moving through this church. He moves here on Sunday mornings, and then when we leave here and scatter, he moves through you throughout the week. And so to me, when I think about that, I get fired up. So if you're here checking it out, I'm just telling you, be, be careful in a sense because God's moving. <laughs> He's going to speak to you. And I, I pray that, I mean, that's a good thing. I, I say that be, you know, like it's a bad thing. It's not. It is a great thing. It, I, I get scared a little bit because when God speaks, rarely is it ever easy. He's usually going to stretch you, challenge you, grow you. But I always say, I'm not looking for easy. With God, it's always better when you make those choices. If you give your life to Christ today, I'm telling you, it is the best decision that you will ever make. I talked to somebody this week who was just trying to describe it in words, and it's like this weight, this weight that they've been carrying, and it just gets lifted off when you receive forgiveness, when you understand how much God is for you. This Savior that we serve, Jesus, that it's just like, it's amazing. And so it's never, hardly ever easy, but I'm telling you every time is better. Well, today I want to share with you 
a, it's kind of like one of the hallmark values of the Christian faith. And it's, it's shown in, in several places throughout Scripture. We're going to look at Jesus in the book of John in chapter 13 as he's getting near the end of, of in a sense, his ministry. He's getting ready to be betrayed and get arrested and die on the cross. Uh, we would know this as kind of the, the Last Supper where he's with his boys. All right, so this is his final moments where he's with his guys. And he's getting ready to... Uh, impart a very valuable piece of information to them. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 13, or if you have it on your phone, you can go there. We're going to start in verse 1, or it'll be up on the screen. But read along with me here. It says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his Father. So his time's coming very quickly. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Oftentimes, we we don't understand what God's doing in the moment, and we hope that someday we will. No, Peter protested. You're never going to ever wash my feet. You're never, ever going to wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. To which Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, and not just my feet. And Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that was what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? He was teaching them a lesson. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I am your Lord and teacher, I have washed your feet. You also ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. This is what I would call a model for success. Or if you want to have a model for greatness, this is it right here. I can point to Hardly any other passage in Scripture that can show you a recipe for success in this world. Now, not how our world defines success, not how our culture and society, and maybe not how you have pursued success and greatness, but I'm telling you in God's eyes, serving other people, the servant leader, servant leadership is the pathway to success in God's eyes. And Jesus demonstrates it here for his guys. As we head into, I would say, like the back half of 2023, I want this back half of 2023 to be better than any other segment of your season of your life. I want, I want the first part of 2023 to be jealous of how good you got it in the second half, all right, and living out some of these characteristics. Now, many of you, we know these things. 
We've read this story over and over. It's almost like, why are we hearing this story again? But I just want to hammer this point to our church. It is so core to who we are and how we operate. This idea of life is not about you. And we are on a mission and a purpose to love Los Alamos. When we started Freedom Church, we didn't start Freedom Church to play church. We, we were on a mission and a purpose to be a light to this community, to show the love of Jesus to our town, no strings attached. And so today is a reminder and encouragement uh, to empower us to lead like Jesus, to lead serving other people. And this is a hallmark of who we are and how we operate. And so many of you, I just want to say thank you because you get it. This is not a message to harp on you saying, come on, we got to get to work. We got to, no, 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 no. You guys get this day in and day out. And, and really, as well as empowering and encouraging, I just want to say it's a big thank you for the way that you love, love our church family and love our community. Three things I want to point out here in this passage that will help us getting to serve others. The first is Jesus got up. He got up from the table, it says in verse 4. He's sitting there with his boys, and the first thing he did was he got up. He made a choice to get up in that moment and serve and wash their feet to do something a little bit dirty and messy. Now, if you've ever done anything, have anyone ever done anything that you didn't want to do? You're like, I woke up this morning. I did not want to, I don't know, eating vegetables, right? I mean, trying to get your kids to eat their broccoli or their carrots or trying to get your spouse to eat their broccoli or their carrots. Like, no one wants to do that, right? Things that we don't want to do. Too many, I saw a bunch of elbows going and, and, and fly in there too. Flossing. It's like one of the most pointless activities on the planet. Until you get over 40, you're like, hey, I kind of like my teeth. I want to keep my teeth. And, and I, I've neglected this thing that I had. Things that we don't want to do. <laughs> Going to church. I don't want to go to church. What do, how do we describe these things? We call them chores or duty or an obligation. I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to, to do it. I remember when, when our boys were, were younger and changing the diapers. All right. I don't want to do it. But you, you, you hear them in the middle of the night, and you know it's like, it's your night, or it's your turn to go, and you're like, ah. And you get up, and you kind of go over, and you know what it is. You can smell it, and you're getting the flashlight out, all this sort of stuff. You know, I'm not like, oh, yay. It's 2 a.m. in the morning, and this is exactly what I wanted to do. We got a little duty here, and we're going to clean it up, and just, no. I didn't feel like Cleaning the mess. Jesus, in this moment, chooses to get up. Sometimes love is a choice. Tip for the people who are married in this room. Love is often a choice. Oftentimes, Love and loving your spouse is daily choosing your spouse. To daily say yes 
to them, I am choosing you. Because the feelings aren't always there. <laughs> I don't feel, you're not my favorite person. And I don't feel like being nice today. Or, I, you know, whatever. And I see more elbowing going on. Love is a choice. Yes, I understand there is feelings that are involved in love, but I'm going to tell you, if you want to be successful in marriage, you're going to understand that oftentimes it's not a feeling and it is a choice. And I will choose, uh, I, I, uh, emotion follows motion is, is, is the thing. This isn't in the notes, but it's kind of free. Emotion follows motion. Many times I will just, I will make the choices, and then those feelings come. The problem for many marriages, and maybe one that you're struggling with in your marriage, is that you've chosen your kids over your spouse. You have chosen other things. You have chosen work over your spouse, and you're wondering why that feeling has gone. As the righteous brothers would sing, you've lost that love and feeling, and now it's gone, gone, gone. Oh, oh, oh. We got to choose our spouse. Love is a choice. Jesus chose to get up in this moment and do the work that nobody else was doing. Paul says it like this in Galatians. For you have been called to live in freedom. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. My brothers and sisters, but don't lose your, use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. We've talked about this the past three weeks. Don't, you, you, you can do whatever you want, but it's not always helpful. And in, 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 in a way, you're not free to do whatever you want. It's going to come at a cost. Instead, use your freedom to say this with me. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. The whole law can be summed up in this one, oh my gosh, not a suggestion, but a command. Love one another as yourself. All right? This is where I say love is a choice because you can't command your feelings. Stop being angry. Stop being sad. You can't command those things. They're just there. You have choices to make in the middle of those things. Love is so often, it's a choice, and Jesus chose to get up. Second thing, he stooped. He got up, and then he knelt down. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, it said. So, at the moment, he knows. I have all power and authority right now. What happens next, we might want to clue in on. Anybody have a favorite superhero with superpowers growing up? Just shout them out. Who, who, who you got? I know some of you are like DC, Marvel, or whatever. Who? Iron, Man. Iron Man. What? Jesus. Jesus, Blake, you're kicked out. <laughs> Superman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Huh? Your dad. Superhero. I'll take that. You're allowed to stay. Batman. Any Batman guys in here? Uh, I, I wanted the Batmobile, the Batcave, the Batwing, all the toys, plus he's rich. I thought it was awesome. Nobody said, and if we pulled all the kids in there, none of them were going to say, you know what I want to be? A servant of the people. I want to serve and be a slave. No, we're thinking awesome weapons and guns and toys and big things like that. Jesus had all power and all authority. What did he say? 
He said, boys, Apple stock, Amazon stock, Tesla, when it hits the market, buy and buy early. It was, it's not in there. All right, I'm going to tell you five numbers or six numbers. When this thing called the lotto hits, I want you to pick these numbers. All right, and just trust me. Super Bowl 2024, Kansas City Chiefs. Pick them. Let's go. What, what did he tell them? He could have told them anything in this moment. I want you to understand the, the urgency of this moment. He's in his final moments. His last breath. This is so important what he's sharing here. He's trying to impart, because he's going to leave the church to these guys. What's interesting here as he stooped is a little bit of the context of these guys being together. I want to take you back just a few days prior in Mark chapter 10 as they're making their journey to Jerusalem. And these guys are having a conversation that is pretty indicative of the culture of that time, which is big on status, which is big on, on, on power and influence. Uh-oh, not too far from today. These guys, after hearing Jesus say, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to get arrested, I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm going to raise up in three. He just tells them plainly, here's what's going to happen. So let's see what their conversation is about. When the ten other, oh, 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 so James and John, I'm kind of coming in right in the middle of it. James and John, brothers, come to Jesus. After he says this, they're going to Jerusalem. They say, hey, Jesus, when all this happens and you enter this kingdom, can we sit right next to you? Can we be like first and second in charge? Can we be like your right-hand guy? And they're kind of like off to the side. The other 12 or the other 10, they, they don't know that this is happening, but then they overhear. So we'll pick up right in the middle in verse 41. When the 10 other disciples heard... What James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were upset. There's other words I could use there, but I'll keep it clean. They're not happy because these guys got to the line first and got in Jesus' ears first. Jesus, we want to be in first place. These other guys are good, but how about us? Eyes on me. And now they're, they're second in line. They're not happy. They're indignant. So Jesus called them together. Now, I can just imagine Jesus. He, he just spelled out, this is what's going to happen. He knows his final days are ahead. And this is his team <laughs> that he's leaving with. Like, huddle, huddle, <laughs> time out, huddle up. We got to run this play. We, let me coach you again on how we're going to run this play. Like, I, we got a game that's starting in two minutes, and we're doing warm ups here, and we're fighting one another about this stuff. So Jesus calls time out, huddles them up, and he says, You know, the rulers in this world lord it over other people, and officials flaunt their authority under the, uh, uh, those under them, which, hello, that's today. 
But among you, say this with me, but among you, it will be different. One of my favorite verses in all Scripture. Christians, followers of Jesus, among you, you want to live a life of success. You want to live a life of greatness. It will be different. We know how the world works. You know how the world works. And we do not operate like that. It will be different. You will be different. You will stand out as a light and as a hope and as an encouragement. Whoever wants to be a leader, megas in the Greek, among you must be a servant, diakoneo. And whoever wants to be first, protos among you, must be a slave, doulos to everyone else. That's different. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is why Jesus came. This is how you live a life of purpose. He knew his purpose and he knew how he lived it out. And he was telling his guys, this is how we're going to do it. It will be different. So Jesus, he got up. Then he stooped down. Leaders, servant leaders, you will go first. Nobody else was getting up to wash one another's feet. I'm not doing that job. That's, that's beneath me. John, John the Baptist, one time said, I'm not even worthy to, to do the straps and untie the straps on Jesus' sandals. Back in that time when they had slaves or servants, that might be a job for them to do. It was beneath all of them to wash one another's feet. And the, significant, and the significance in that moment, we miss that so much because we're not first century Jews. But what Jesus did was so humbling. And they knew right away what he was doing. Peter, we even get a glimpse, says, Ah, don't do that to me. No way, Jesus. You are way above that. And he says, Peter, if you don't get this, you get nothing. You, you understand nothing about who God is and who this kingdom is. Followers of Jesus, if you don't get this, you understand nothing about the kingdom of God and who Jesus is. We will be different. Third thing. He got up, he stooped down, and he cleaned the mess. He wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and he cleaned the mess. Certain jobs, they're just messy. We kind of talked about that earlier in changing diapers. All right? I, I know a, a, a few people who do uh, preschool ministry. Are pre, they're, they're preschool teachers. I remember a couple Fridays when my son was in pre-K, and I get to go and have lunch with the pre-K students. And so we're sitting there having our meal together, talking about Paw Patrol and who's better, Marshall or Rubble, and having a big debate amongst the pre-K. It was one of the most disgusting things I've ever done in my life. Because my son Charlie's there, and we have our, our debate on that, but then his best friend John John's talking to me about Rubble, but he's got spaghetti just stuck on his face. All right, and they're all just not. And then another kid, he's got grapes, and he's showing the grapes or eating the grapes, and he goes, hey, look at this. And he shoots the grape across the table, to which the, it bounces in front of another kid, and that kid goes, oh, and just starts eating. I'm like, oh, it's disgusting. So if you're pre-K, I love you. Thank you for what you do because it's, it's gross. It's a messy job, but you do an awesome job. Some jobs are just messy. Relationships. If I'm going to serve other people, 
Relationships are messy, and they are hard. We talked about last week the fact that Freedom Church is not a perfect church for perfect people. We're an imperfect church with imperfect people with a perfect Savior. You want to know why this church is an imperfect church? Because you are here. You showed up. And we have a lot of yous here, a lot of imperfection that is here. It's messy. It's hard. It takes work. You've got to make a choice. You have to humble yourself as you're serving other people. I don't feel like doing it. I don't have the time. It's not convenient. Yeah, you don't have the time to get in a connect group. It's not going to be convenient to get involved in the life of others. But I'm telling you, it is a team sport. It is a contact sport to where you can't do this life alone if you're going to live it to the fullest. If we're going to live out this mission and reaching the world, you can't do it alone. Think about who's in the room. Think about who is in the room as he stoops down to clean the mess. Peter, loudmouth Peter, who's got his thing. He's just thinking about the world and the flesh, and he just spouts off of his mouth. You know anyone who just shoots their mouth off? Don't point, don't elbow. Thomas, he's in the room. Jesus knows that as things go down, he's going to be like, I'm not going to believe unless you, unless I see it for myself. Who else is in the room? Judas. As far as we know in that moment, Judas is there. He knows. It says several times he knew he was going to be betrayed. That's why he said, some of you are unclean, so they would remember later. And yet, he cleaned the mess. Jesus didn't go to be served, but a servant was who he was. As followers of Jesus in this church, and we've, we've talked about, man, how God has been blessing. I'm just telling you, what I see in this church, serving is not something that we do. Serving is something that you are. It is who you are. A core about, I, wherever I go, be it here or at work or in the home, I am not living for me. Others. I am serving others. And Jesus gave us that model. He says, do you understand what I was doing in verse 12? And then he says in verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. That's our mission. That's our mandate. Now, like I said, many of us, we know this. We've heard this story over and over and over again. So much so that my fear is that sometimes it just may fall on deaf ears. Yeah. We serve. No biggie. Like, big deal, but not changing. I, I was talking with somebody just this week about a parable that Jesus uh, shared where the master had given talents to people. And he said, this person I gave two talents, this person I gave five talents. And then the master went away and he came back to check in to see what they did with the talents, with the resources. And the, the guy with two had, had doubled it. I can't remember all the numbers, but someone, he had doubled it. This person, he got his money, he doubled it, got a good return. The other person said, I buried it. I buried it and I did nothing with it. I was afraid. 
I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do, so I just buried it. And, and if you know that story, it does not turn out well for that guy. Listen, part of the thing that charges me is not that God's up there waiting to crack a whip saying how much fruit are you producing and all that sort of stuff. No, it is just God has given you a gift. As a follower of Jesus, you have something about you that God has appointed you in this place, in this time. Yes, you right now through your experiences, through your skills, through your passions, you have something to give to which it's said in Galatians and serve one another. When you serve somebody, it's not this chore. Understand, Scripture talks about when you serve someone, you're serving God. He says, even when you give someone a glass of water, you're doing it like you're doing it to me. The picture of serving is this idea of like, I'm serving God by serving other people and giving this gift. You have a gift, but I'm afraid some of you are going to bury it for worldly things, for success in this world, which I'm telling you is fleeting. There are, this kingdom thing that we live for that is invisible, that is uncertain, that is uncomfortable, not easy to see. I'm telling you, Jesus says you're going to store up a treasure in eternity if you could just see it. A servant wasn't just something he did. It was who he was. Scripture, I don't have time to outline all this, but Scripture calls the church a family. So again, you can't do this life alone. You've got to be in contact with other people. And he says within that family, he has given us a spiritual gift to do ministry, to serve one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of you so that we can help each other. So I want to give you a few things. It's just like, well, how do I start? Or where do I, where do I go? Or what can I do? I've always used these little math equations. A spiritual gift, all right, plus a need equals a ministry. A spiritual gift could be teaching. I think anybody here, you can teach. You may be like, well, I'm not a good teacher or whatever. But you can teach someone something. Everybody can do it. But a spiritual gift carries a supernatural power with it. So when you teach, God seems to speak and move. Maybe not 100% of the time, but often enough, you're like, there's something special. Another spiritual gift can be encouragement, all right? This is one that I have, where I, I just like, hey, I encourage any, uh, somebody, and God seems to somehow work through that. Anybody here can encourage anyone, but when it becomes a spiritual gift, God seems to speak and move. So the way that looks for me, sometimes I'll be driving or maybe, well, yeah, I'll be out in the, in the car or something like that, driving around, and somebody comes to mind, and it says, hey, you just need to text them, not while you're driving, but text them a little bit later and just shoot them a little encouragement. Just say, hey, thank you for the way you helped or something. Something that seems so basic. But when I do that, not again, not 100% of the time, I'll text it, and then I'll talk to that person later, and they'll say, you don't know the timing that you had on that text message. And the conversation I just had or the thoughts and feelings I was just going through. And then here comes your text message giving me some courage. Thank you for doing that because I needed that. 
That's happened too many times in my own life to just be chance and random. So I call that a spiritual gift. When God prompts me, I better pay attention to it and go do what he says. All right? So if you're a follower of Christ, you have something to give to others. Pay attention to that. Practice. Another way, love plus a need is ministry. If you have passion or if you just out of love serve somebody else and meet somebody else's need, that's a ministry. You just minister to somebody. Some of you, you have skill sets. God has just gifted you. You have incredible skill to do things. And you see a need and you meet that need. You just minister to somebody. You built them up and encouraged them up. You ministered. Some of it is just my story. Here's my life. Here's my experiences. Here's how I was going through hell. Here's how God just built me up and saved me and encouraged me and he was with me the whole way. You share your story and help meet somebody's need. That's a ministry. Start stacking those up. Ministry plus a ministry. And that's what we do one step at a time. All of a sudden, you are a minister. It is not just the pastor. Everybody who is a follower of Christ is a diaconeo, a servant, as Jesus said. You want to be first? You're going to be last. You want to be great? You got to be a diaconeo, serving other people. All you have to do is just one step at a time what God's calling you to do. I perform this ministry. I minister to this person today. I encourage them. It's going to look different for each and every one of us. But I'm telling you, when we all unite and get together, it's unstoppable what God's going to do out there. And that's what we've been seeing. That's what we've been seeing. I want to close with this promise. It says in verse 17, Jesus says this, Now that you know these things, now that you know them, you know this. God will bless you. He will bless you for giving intellectual assent to it and saying, that's a good idea. Now, now that you know these things about serving and living for others and ministering to others, God will bless you once you get your act cleaned up. Now that you know these things, God will bless you once you have the correct theology and get all of that in place first. No? Now that you know these things, God will bless you for going to church today because I needed that encouragement today. It's a good thing. No? Now that you know these things, God will bless you when it's convenient for you and there's no discomfort. And once you have the time and energy to actually do it, no. Now that you know these things, God will bless you when you go do it. You want to seem something in your soul that God's speaking to you right now? Maybe he's been speaking to you for a few weeks or he's been speaking to you for a few years and you finally came back to church and you're like, oh, I don't know. And then boom, it's there. You want to seem something into your soul, Freedom Church. You go and you do it. You go and you act. He gave you an example to follow. And we go and we serve. We have a mission 
to change the world, to reach the world. That mission has not changed. It's the same mission every day for you to go be a light and a hope in your workplace, to be a light and a hope to your kids every day, everywhere, everyone, nonstop, even when you're on vacation, to go and be a light and serve other people. This is the mission that we're on. This is the mission that we've been doing as a local church family for the past five years, and we won't stop. And I believe our best days are ahead, but I want to challenge you today, one step at a time. That's it. That's all I'm asking. Not perfection. One step at a time. One conversation at a time. One ministry at a time. With that, can we stand and can we pray? Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.